Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Back in the late 70s, a long time ago, huh? Bob Dylan uh, reminded everyone in a song that he wrote that you got to serve somebody. Anybody know that song? My wife uh, suggested that I, that I sing that song for you now, doing my best Bob Dylan impersonation. Would that be okay? No. It's bad enough listening to Bob Dylan. I'm, you, my impersonation. No, I'm a Dylan fan. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just going to read some of, the, uh, some of the text, which is, which is rich. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a strong a long string of pearls. You might own guns, you might even own tanks. You might be somebody's landlord, you might even own banks. You may be rich or poor, you may be blind or lame, you may be living in another country under another name, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And so on. You can imagine him singing. Great gospel song. In a similar way, today, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You're going to have to choose somebody. (laughs) Yes, indeed, everybody's going to have to choose somebody. And that's why Luther himself said an interesting thing. He said, there is no such thing as an atheist for this reason. Whatever or whomever we place our trust in to give our life meaning, that is our God. So you see, everyone is a believer one way or another. That thing or person in which we place our trust, inevitably, we will serve because our actions will be crafted and geared to to receive from that thing or person the very thing that we depend upon. What are the things that we trust in besides God, that we serve to make our life meaningful? What are some of those things that you see people in your world trusting in, sort of as as false gods or as a master? Job. Job. Yeah, so your job, your work. Possibly success at your work, but yeah, workaholic. Any workaholics here? Uh, Anything else? Friends. Yeah. And friends can be trustworthy and sometimes not. Any other things? What's that? Family. Family. Yeah. Any other? What's that? Health. Health. Good health. Good health. Yeah, you can make that something we trust in or serve. Money. Money. Now, where'd you get that idea? (laughs) Well, thanks for that. We've covered a number of different things there. Right after uh, Jesus preaches about serving masters, then he goes right into his 
what I like to call as a hakuna matata speech about don't worry about anything. Um, have no worry, anxiety about anything. Let me ask you again, what are the worries and anxieties out there with you and in your world? What do, worry, what do people worry about? What are they anxious about today? All the things we just said. You mean there's a connection? <laughs> oh, boy. We didn't talk ahead of time. We, we did not. Perhaps as many things to get anxious about today as there ever has been. What is the connection? Why would Jesus talk about serving um, masters, which doesn't sound like a terribly freeing sort of thing. We might have to worry about who we're serving. To suddenly swing into, have no worry about anything. What's the connection? Simply this. Worry and anxiety are, in this passage, in the words of Jesus, a direct result of trusting in the wrong things for the meaning of life and for your sustenance. And that means work, money, friends, family, all good things. But when we trust them with our life to make our life worthwhile, we're putting too much weight and burden on them and they can't fulfill us. In fact, those very things can even make us more stressed out, anxious, and worrisome, can't they? And in addition, in addition to uh, the unpleasantness of worry and anxiety, and who doesn't wrestle with this on a regular basis? The effect that it has upon us is to oftentimes make us more kind of self-absorbed and, 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 and narcissistic because we're caught up in ourselves and we're trying to manage everything and we're preoccupied and it cuts us off from our neighbor, from life itself, or from our spouse. John Telgren, a writer, tells an interesting story about his wife trying to have a conversation with him. And he was, at the, at the moment, preoccupied. Uh, he was worrying about something or other. And so he knew he wasn't going to be very good at listening to what she was actually saying, so he just decided he'd just agree with everything she said. I mean, isn't that the sign of a good marriage? Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Uh, well, it worked for a while. Eventually, uh, she said to him, she asked what he, what he thought about her making a dress out of pickles and peanut butter. Is that nonsensical for you? And, and he, he agreed. Yeah, that sounds good. Busted. And Telgren writes that he realized that the hazards of, of worry and anxiety when it cuts you off from your neighbor or from your spouse. Now, I'm sure we can all agree that worrying doesn't accomplish anything. How then can we be free from worrying? How do we take ourselves off of our hands? Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount would suggest this. The only way, ultimately, to diffuse and remove worrying is by trusting in the only one who is trustworthy in all things. Namely, the God who made us, the God who promises to take care of us. Now, we can quickly feel guilty because we know we're still going to worry and have anxiety, absolutely. 
Will we still be anxious? Yes. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be. That's the invitation and the promise to grace. Consider the lilies, how they neither toil nor spin, yet Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as one of these. Powerful words. God's got your back. You're free. You're covered. Now, this seems maybe a bit paradoxical, doesn't it? All this talk about serving a master, and there's sort of a being bound to the master element, and then to swing into this no worry, no freedom. How does that work? Simply this way. If we're serving the right master, indeed, we are set free. So the don't worry about anything passages here, paradoxical as they may seem, are lovely words of grace and promise that comes from our God who cares for us. I, um, a few years ago, I ran across the story in the paper, an interview with a woman who made a, a nice statement about her faith and, 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 and worrying. Uh, interestingly, this is a woman who had, had six kids at the time and then adopted 12. Okay, does that sound like enough of a nightmare? Uh, and, of course, the reporter wanted to know, how, how, how can you deal with the stress of, <laughs> of that? And her reply was uh, simply this. I do all the work, and I let God do all the worrying. That's pretty good. I do all the work. I serve what I'm supposed to do, and I let God worry for it. Easier said than done, obviously. Don't need to worry because God cares for you. A few years ago, I had my own little consider the lilies experience. It was actually uh, consider the larva experience. You'll find out what that means in a minute. I was doing some spring cleaning around the house, and there was a piece of plywood that was partially rotten that was lying on the ground. And I, I, I picked it up to get rid of it. And I noticed underneath there was an ant colony on top of the wood chips and and, and earth, and twigs. And on top of the ant colony, there were dozens of ant larvae, which were now suddenly exposed to the sunlight, which is not a good thing for ant larvae. They thrive, of course, in a moist, cool, shaded area. Suddenly, the game has changed. So I watched with kind of amazement at how nature works. All kinds of ants sprung into action as, the, as though they had a clear assignment, each one assigned to one of the larvae. They're about the same size, the larva and the ant. And within five minutes, they had all picked up each and every one of them and squirreled them away into an appropriate place of shade and moisture. And I just marveled at this. And I thought about consider the lilies. I thought about if God made ants in such a way to take care of the next generation so beautifully, so carefully, so thoroughly, how much more will that God take care of you and me and what we need? Not always what we want, but what we need because he cares for us, because we are made in the image of God. Luther picked up on this in the small catechism, and uh, some of you mem uh, memorized this. Any of you still have the small catechism memorized? 
In the first article, Luther takes up the, uh, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. What does this mean? And then perhaps you know it and can say it with me. I believe that God has created me and all that exists. God has given me and still preserves my body and my soul, my eyes and ears, my limbs and my senses, my reason and all of my faculties. In addition to this, God daily and abundantly gives me shoes and clothing, food and drink, house and farm, spouse and children, field, livestock, and property. And along with this, all the necessities and nourishment for this body and this life. God protects me from danger and shields and preserves me from evil. All this God does out of his pure, fatherly, divine goodness and mercy apart from any worthiness or merit of our own. That's grace. That's grace. And Luther goes on to say, considering all of those things, and he hadn't even gotten to Jesus yet and the gift of Jesus to us, but considering all those things, the appropriate response is what? Thanksgiving and praise and gratitude. Because when we are thankful and we are grateful and we recount all the ways that we are blessed in the way that Luther just did in the way that we have an opportunity to each and every day. We are mindful that God is trustworthy. God has taken care of us, God is taking care of us, and God will take care of us individually and Mount Carmel as a congregation. And so the importance of practicing gratitude for these blessings. Um, I know many of you have taken the gratitude challenge and, and recounted various things that you're grateful for. Some of them are on that, that uh, lovely autumn tree, paper tree, in the back of the sanctuary that you saw coming in. We have, Paul, do you have a few of those examples? Oh, we don't. That's okay. One of them is things we're grateful for. The sound of happy babies in church. Can I get an amen? Amen. God's voice in all things every single day. Yeah, there it is. The love of Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I'm grateful for Mount Carmel prayer chain and all the members who prayed for me while I was so sick. These prayers got me through the tough times. Just a few examples of things that we are grateful for. Remember that God is trustworthy. I conclude here. I told you I wasn't going to talk that much about money, and I just want to conclude by coming back to you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Uh, because Jesus talked more about money than any other topic at all, it's pretty clear how spiritual what we do with our money really is. It's the most arguably spiritual act that we do when we spend our money or we save it or whatever we do with our money. It's also the chief competitor with God for the role of God and master. It's so clear that money must be properly ordered 
to serve the real master, who is Jesus. Which simply brings us to the fact that some of you made your pledges today, some of you will, some of you already have. And I want to just suggest that a financial pledge is a way of saying, I have chosen who I will serve and in whom I place my trust with this pledge, with this financial pledge. And maybe, just maybe, a pledge is a protest against all the false gods that we have that invite us to serve them, including money. Maybe a pledge declares, finally, financial pledge even, that God will take care of us and that we are called to be free from our burden of anxiety and worry and to love our neighbor and to live life and receive God's blessings. Amen.